There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Asking Robbins always finds out. I for the faster way. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. The show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo, and I have three lovely gentlemen here with me to talk all about the finale of Daredevil Season 1. Peaches is here. Robbie's here. Chris is here. What up, guys? Are you guys psyched? You know, we also should probably just mention briefly that um, before, between our last two episodes, there was a big old Disney uh, investor call meeting. Oh, yeah. Lots and lots lots of Marvel stuff was announced and talked about. We've got some some dates for things that are going to come out. We've got some confirmation that there will be so much Marvel to talk about next year. This podcast is not going anywhere. Yeah, it's like there's only going to be a couple weeks between shows, it seems right. like. Yeah. It will be criminal for us to leave. Movie. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's so much stuff coming out. Yeah, because we've got because uh, we got WandaVision in January. And then, what, March, I think, is Falcon the Winter Soldier? Unreal I'm not holding on to any dates specifically because we were supposed to have Black Widow last forever ago and some of these disney plus shows now and i'm gonna be completely honest i kind of forgot about black widow because of all the shows that they announced and everything that's coming out i kind of forgot black widow was a thing because they it feels like they haven't talked about yeah. it in a long time i agree Basically. i agree i and i'm excited about black widow and there should obviously have been a black widow movie long ago but i think at this point it's like escaped my consciousness because it still hasn't come out and there's so much else happening yeah, but yep. one of the characters from Black Widow is going to be on Hawkeye, on the Hawkeye show. Which one? Uh, Florence Pugh's character. Right. Uh, yeah. And we finally have official confirmation. We've seen pictures of uh, Haley Steinfeld as... Um, Kate Bishop? As Kate Bishop, yeah. I don't think I realize... Okay, I'm going to be totally honest. I was so overwhelmed by the Star Wars announcements that I've barely touched the Marvel announcements, so... Yeah. Well, the, the Hawkeye pictures leaked early. I think I thought we talked about them in uh, one of our Maybe we group did, chats. But, but I'm excited again that, because that I thing moves so fast. It's she looks <laughs> great, like uh, too, like the costume and everything. And Pizza Dog is there, and uh, you know it's going to be fun. Um, and we have confirmation that She Hulk is going to be a half hour legal oh, comedy. I'm so excited, guys! Guys, I'm, so I'm hoping Matt Murdock shows up. Oh my god. Didn't they allude to that? Well, the because ru- well, the rumor is that he's going to be in the new Spider-Man no, but movie. They alluded to it during the investor call. Oh, did they? I missed. They that. did. They they were talking about She-Hulk, and they said, and also since it is a law-themed show, maybe another lawyer superhero is going to show up. They basically I said that, that Daredevil is going to be in there without saying he's going to be. I in think there. this is about the time when I started paying attention to the Game Awards and had my mind blown by Sephiroth. That's why so. I, was, I was also watching the Game Awards. I don't know why I was watching the yeah. Game Anything Awards. That was, a, that was, that was an Awards. overwhelming day for a nerd. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. There was so much happening. Yeah, because I know I, I have on Discord to watch <laughs> the Game Awards with Eduardo and Danny, but um, eventually, but I. 
because Danny was like sending me like the updates like every time something new was announced at the um Really? He was sending them to you because he was just saying them to me. I was only watching the Game Awards and he was like, hey, Eduardo, look what P- uh, Pixar is coming out with now. It's a show about a little boy from Italy and now it's a show about this and that. And he would just fire off every single relevant, relevant to our show, Chris Evans as Buzz Lightyear. But not the toy Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> just to be the clear, actual human. The, the toy actual person that Buzz Lightyear is <laughs> <laughs> Which is the funniest thing anyone has ever said. <laughs> Get your Buzz Lightyear canon well, correct. Like now, I I have strong feelings about this Lightyear movie. I feel like the only way it works is if it is a parody where they play it straight, but a parody of the gritty reboot. Like it, ha- I, I said this to to Robbie, but. Unless they reveal that Zerg is actually an evil hacker, um, <laughs> then I will be very... Oh, he's got to be Buzz's dad. Yeah, oh, that's true. <laughs> I hope well, he sings dad wasn't there. And then we, Buzz uh, has to speak Spanish at one point. To get into the complicated canon of Buzz Lightyear, I don't, uh, I don't know if any of you ever watched... I don't know but... if any of you have been by the Buzz Lightyear subreddit recently, <laughs> but as I am a, a regular attendee... <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm an administrator on Lightyearpedia. <laughs> Lightyear what? Lightyearpedia. Oh. Yeah. Lightyearpedia. No. <laughs> Not to be confused Lightyear with... Lightyearpedia. <laughs> Not to be confused with Pedia Lightyear, which is a crossover between Pedia Light and Buzz Lightyear. When that, show, when that show debuts, if Pedia Light doesn't have a sponsorship deal, I'm going to be really oh, upset. Get them on the horn. Call them right now, Eduardo. You got it. I don't it. understand what any of this has to do with goosebumps. <laughs> Speaking of things that don't have to do with goosebumps, when we do this Star Wars podcast that we mention every we're week, gonna have so much to talk about there. We're too. gonna have a lot of stuff to talk oh about then too. Goodness, there's too much. I gotta say, watching the season finale of Mandalorian, like one of my first thoughts when it was over was, we have to start the Star Wars podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many things. So many episodes to be made. Oh, yeah. Today, we are talking all about Daredevil, written and directed by Stephen S. DeKnight. That's a weird way to pronounce R.L. Stein, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) We begin the episode as Jimmy Cliff's Many Rivers to Cross plays. Ben Urich's coffin is carried to his burial plot. I'm going to stop it right here because it had been so long since I watched the episode before. I forgot he died. And I was, I was so confused. I was like, what's happening? Why is everybody... Oh. You, you have no idea. You guys. Oh my god, I'm trying so hard not to just burst out laughing. I Okay, I'm not trying to one-up your story, but no, I have go for to one-up your story. When, when I watched episodes 11 and 12, it was with my roommate and other person that we've talked about before. And so we watched 11 and 12, and the very next day we watched the finale. So I'm like, I've I, it's been like two weeks since I watched the finale at this point. And she, and she said, wait, who died? <laughs> the very next day. Well, when I watched the episode, it had been so long, I said, why does that guy never take his sunglasses off? Since I watched, I was like, what's the kid from Mighty Ducks doing here? <laughs> I was like, what's a lawyer? 
yeah, it's even, even Ben Yurick's wife was on screen. She wasn't sure who died. No, 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 no. I knew by then, but it was still, it was tough, tough. I like the uh, law of economy of characters dictated that Ben also had to be Catholic (laughs) so that Daredevil could talk to his priest. I didn't think about that. And it's the same priest. Yes, exactly. There's only one Catholic parish in all of Hell's Kitchen. Mm -hmm. And everyone who has a name on the show goes there. Man, that guy has all the tea. Uh, Ben Yurick's coffin is carried to his burial plot as his friend's wife editor, Karen Page, and Matt Murdock watch on. Karen introduces herself to Yurick's widow and tries to blame herself, but Mrs. Yurick won't have it. Matt confides in Father Lantham, presiding over the funeral, that he feels like he isn't doing enough. In another creepy, abandoned, back-alley setting, Wilson Fisk confronts Leland Owsley about a regular fun movement he found. Owsley tries to play it off, but Fisk gets him to admit he and Gao are responsible for the assassination attempt at the benefit. I'm I sorry really- to interrupt, but I thought you said a regular fun movement. <laughs> and I was like, well, what does that mean? What's a regular fun movement? <laughs> also, and then I looked at the notes because I never have them in front of me, and I'm like, oh, irregular fun movement. <laughs> My favorite regular fun movement is the Macarena. <laughs> <laughs> what's yours i want to point out uh, it's right into the show what your the, regular fun movement is the action of rolling dice <laughs> i also don't fully understand how just some fun moving around was like you tried to kill me with poisoned uh poison champagne like there was a leap in there that i didn't fully get but whatever yeah. yeah, I'm really excited about this because Chris is, and <laughs> listeners will know this, typically one of the more positive get hosts on this show. I would count myself as maybe one of the more negative hosts on this show if we have a negative one. And I'm really excited for Chris to join me over here in negative Don't Nancy Corner. So Chris, <laughs> please. Oh, you, you want to know what I think of Owsley? Yes. Yes. Use your best um, I believe the, ex- the exact words I wrote in the notes were, what a maroon, what an absolute <laughs> buffoon. <laughs> because seriously, he's... Oh. all Fisk has done this entire show is murder people. He murders people if you hurt someone he cares about. You don't think he's going to like double secret murder you for trying to poison his wife and his girlfriend? soon-to-be fiancé, I guess, in the least romantic proposal I've ever seen. Uh, uh, but You've never been on the jungle cruise at the backside of water. <laughs> I might have a story. But, um, I think one time someone might have proposed on my boat, and but just sort of did it quietly in the back, and I only noticed because he wasn't sitting down, and then he sat in... No one, like, clapped or anything, and everyone was just, like, really confused for a second, so I just kept going. Because <laughs> I'm like, you know, this is actually kind of rude, is what, you know, you, you get me in on it, or you just sort of, you know, look like you're tying your shoe. And yeah, there's, like, whispering. there's proposing at your friend's wedding, and then there's proposing in secret on the Jungle Cruise. Those are both in the don't-do-this zone. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, no, stupid Owsley, um, which I, 
I have another point about that, but first I, I just have to say he thinks a little extortion is going to save him. Obviously, it's not. Fisk thinks with his anger, like he's all id. So, like, why why is he thinking that? Oh, I'm going to get half of your money. You're definitely not going to strangle me. And you know, he's just going to throw you down an elevator shaft like uh, Doctor Drake or More. But uh, um. <laughs> The the other and it's issue crazy I how have, confident he is with it. Like he's just like, I yeah, know. okay, I'm... well, you got me, but you're gonna give me your money now, me and my son. I'm like, okay, you mentioned your son, so clearly your son is gonna like come back and turn into the owl in season two or something, and you know, come to get revenge on Wilson Fisk for murdering his dad or something, because comic books. Um, but also there. I didn't put this in the notes because it really only just occurred to me. Within the span of about 20 minutes of time, if you go from the end of the last episode to this episode, they've killed off two of the more interesting characters now. And what a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> when you're doing a TV show and you introduce interesting supporting characters and you kill them off before the end of the first season. Like... You don't need to prove to me that Wilson Fisk is a bad guy. Yeah. He decapitated a guy with a car door. Yeah. We know he's a bad guy. Four episodes in. <laughs> yeah, since you're saying it, I'll just jump to my point because it was like two bullet points down here. <laughs> Duardo can skip it when we get there. But like, yeah, no, I agree. It was a bummer. Like, I was really excited for Owlsley. I was, from the first time I saw his name, I'm like, oh my God, they're going to do the owl in the MCU. And I got really excited for, you know, someone taping razor claws to his, <laughs> his hand and flying. But here's the thing. And I don't know if they did this on purpose. I'd like to think they did. While I'm bummed that they killed off Owsley, I find it really hilarious that the owl was killed off early in the MCU because he couldn't fly. <laughs> 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 and I think you're right. I think you're going to do his son. I think I think Leland Owsley's son became the second owl in the comics. I might be making that up in my mind, but... So they might do that, and they probably left that door open on purpose. But yeah, I'm with you. It's I'm I don't. He's stupid, and I I'm sad that they killed him off and never made him the B tier supervillain he was destined to be. But homeboy should have learned to fly faster. He should have found that and, experimental and both solution. <laughs> makes you fly. and both Alzi and Ben were like on the cusp of like an interesting character yeah. change. Like, Owlsley going full heel on Fisk and being like, okay, I have power in this relationship mm -hmm. now. And then Ben, you know, seeking out the truth but leaving traditional journalism behind. He was turning a page into a new chapter of his life. You know, and that, that could have been really cool to see. I th I, and I feel like there were a lot of stories that could have been told there. Yeah. But the story we got told was... Yeah, I'm also bummed about your... Remind me to come back to the Owlsley thing when I make my point about this because I don't want to show my hand right now. I can see your hand. We're using webcams. I meant my other hand, my left hand. <laughs> the, you don't want to know what that hand is. Doing both right of now. your hands are off screen yeah. most of the time, but when you said I don't want to show my hand, your hand was visible. But I meant my left hand. This is my right hand. I can't tell it's inverted. Well, that's your fault. Get better eyes. <laughs> Look with your special Wait, eyes. you know it's inverted and you can't tell? What are you talking about? Are you high? You need to fart harder. 
joke. There's at facts. least there's at least one deep cut that literally no one will get. <laughs> no, maybe that's a listener, and we've all been exposed now. <laughs> We're not exposed. It's a, never mind. What if multiple people own that no, shirt? No, that's just one yeah. shirt. Good point. Chris, Googling I it. agree with you. Owsley is a maroon. He's a buffoon. He's a baboon. He is not very smart. And as this was happening, I was like, he's going to die. I don't remember if he dies or not, but he's going to die. Right. Like, mm-hmm. do you really think this is going to work? Do you really yeah. think the Kingpin is going to just let you walk away? No, you absolute idiot. Of course he's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, honestly being the, but I I agree with you and as I've been watching the season my memory of season 2 has slowly come back and I remember not enjoying some of the side characters as much in season 2 and part of it is because they focus a lot more on the main 3 in season 2 uh, than they do in season mm-hmm. 1. There are a lot less supporting characters. And so you either like those characters or you don't. Um, and if you really like those characters, you probably have a great time with season two. Although they do kind of hijack one half of the season with one character in particular that's basically just all about Matt and this character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you either like that character or you don't. And I wasn't a big fan of what yeah. they were doing with it. And I remember not enjoying it that so, much. And so I think you're going to see that. And maybe Robbie can inform me about season three if they add in some more interesting extra characters they sure do also there's a very particular character who's not a side character but was a side character it's the kingpin the kingpin's a side character in season two and he is a main Mm. character again in season three um so that's a big part of it um that said i i actually agree with you despite the fact that you know i love karen um and yet i still agree with everything you said about season two so me loving the main three or at least i don't hate foggy but at least loving two of the main three was still not enough for me to love season two as much as this for basically the reason you said the side characters just aren't as good. Um, the Punisher is good. The character you're alluding to, but not saying who is, I don't think particularly surprising because you know, that character will show up in a Daredevil oh, it must be series. Electra. Probably. It's Electra. <laughs> it's Electra. <laughs> yes, it's Electra. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm amazed they held off for a full season before having Electra. Honestly. <laughs> um yeah no i agree with you i just the the side characters just aren't as good in season two and it's because owsley didn't learn how to fly i believe i can fly oh see i was thinking learn to fly flying it's falling with style man you were supposed to woo we're on the it's an experimental oh oh, man you know he's gonna make falling with style into some big dramatic line in lightyear the origin i hope you like does it and then like breaks his leg or something he's gotta have an episode where he has a t-bird. yeah i'm sure everything there is gonna to show up and no intelligent life anywhere no sign of intelligent life uh-huh. anywhere is absolutely going to be said at some point it's probably uh-huh. sad strange little man all, the, all these things and and i the helmet will probably actually make a whoosh sound i right. i'm pretty sure tim allen will have a cameo as well oh yeah for sure yeah yeah Maybe so Fist dirt. starts to threaten Owsley, 
but Owsley warns he has been keeping Detective Hoffman in custody as protection, saying Hoffman will be given to the FBI if Owsley doesn't check in every 24 hours. When Owsley becomes confident the two will be able to split up without incident, Fisk angrily attacks him, tanks a taser directly to the neck, and screaming, You hurt Vanessa! Uh, throws Owsley down an open elevator shaft, killing him. He then orders his men to find and kill Hoffman. You well, hurt Vanessa is like such a an, an oversimplification. He goes you very caveman when he's mad. <laughs> Why use forward, Vanessa? <laughs> While Murdoch works out in his father's gym, Foggy approaches him. The two make amends, and Foggy reveals to Matt that Marcy has given him information on Fisk's holdings. This scene was a little confusing to him, to me, because from what I understood about their fight, it was Foggy that was mad at Matt, and Matt was the one that was trying to get Foggy back. But when Foggy shows up here, it's like Matt is the one who's mad at Foggy, and Foggy's trying to make amends. That happens. So it does happen. I yeah. get where you're coming from, but I definitely took it as, I definitely took it as Matt was just mad in general. He was mad at, mad at what was going on. Yeah, I mean, you might be right, but that wasn't my take. I think that's pretty normal in in like close friendships, like, like close friendships, relationships, where like you have a big fight, one person's the one that's a lot more mad in the beginning, and then like if it doesn't get resolved, then the roles kind of get reversed after a while. That's sure. I've I've seen that happen. Um, for whatever reason maybe it's because the one person thought it should have been resolved right now by now and nothing's been talked about whatever but no I agree with Robbie I think it was more like he's just mad because he doesn't know he's not mad at Foggy he's mad because he wants to stop Fisk sure the two go to meet with officer Brett Mahoney to see if they can get information on Yurik's murder as they talk to him, Murdoch overhears another cop looking for Hoffman. They return to the office, and with Karen, look for locations in Owsley's records that could have been moved off the books for hiding Hoffman, with Karen finding one such location. Against Foggy's protests, Matt leaves to check the spot for Hoffman. As he does, Fisk receives a call about finding Hoffman's location, telling the corrupt police to leave no survivors. A group of Owsley's men are hiding Hoffman in an abandoned theater when the cops on Fisk's dime break in and kill the guards. Just before they can kill Hoffman, the man in the mask takes them out, saving his life. I am so torn on this scene because half of it I really like because it's a cool thing to have it like close up on his head and all these like shots and stuff. It's like a cool scene. But also Mm -hmm. I was robbed of watching Daredevil beat all these guys up. And I also would have liked to just see that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think we've seen so much of that that I liked this take on it of like you at this point you know what he's doing basically and i I did think it was a good twist i'll put a pin in that put a pin in that too i'm adding it to my list of reasons (laughs) i was completely taken aback by a bunch of fat new york cops being able to come in and just pinpoint take out people with uh, automated weapons like what's what no no way no way do they win that firefight that easily isn't the point that they're not just like typical new york cops that they're like kingpin i don't think paid makes them not they just get money that doesn't mean they get like military yeah the way they the way they went in there and just start taking out all these armed guards was But like don't these guys have military training the guys protecting this guy maybe you know the the people that i mean it was an ambush too i don't know i think the ambush is a little bit in their favor but well and also like 
not a single one of the cops get shot. During right. all of this mayhem, all the cops are just like, yo, what up? We're all just standing here. I mean, yeah, the dude we... brought them all subs. Good point. They, good they point. probably wanted to eat. Yeah, they're distracted by their uh, their chicken could tender you, subs. Could you be really... Like, what a, what a way to go. Honestly, I can't think if that's an awful way or an <laughs> awesome way to go. If there's one way I'm going to go out, it's with a chicken tender sub in my mouth. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I always figured that out. I think it's two or three better ways. <laughs> I mean, I... 75% of this podcast currently has access to chicken tender subs. 25% eats the rest of you. <laughs> <laughs> I've had two so far since I've been here. Oh, I bet you have, man. I, oh. <laughs> I, I, I miss it so bad. Oh. All you people that have don't know how good you have I it. can have them whenever I want. <laughs> the Devil of Hell's Kitchen tells Hoffman to turn himself into Brett Mahoney and hired Nelson and Murdoch as attorneys. I really like this scene with Matt and how mm-hmm. Hoffman tries to get up and be like, I'll do whatever I want. And then he like punches him and he's like, <laughs> he just punches, he him, just, in the like, face. punches him in the face. He's like, I'm going to follow you there. And if you don't, I'm going to torture you. That's basically what he says. Mm-hmm. And that's like so much more of like a, a daredevil-y thing to do. I don't know. I thought it was cool. Um, Hoffman does exactly that. And the statement tells the FBI about the past 18 months, the cops, judges, and senator on Fisk's payroll, and everything Fisk has done. Set to Nessundorma, the feds take Fisk's cronies into custody through a montage, starting with Turk Barrett and ending with a U.S. senator. See, I found that a little unbelievable that a senator would actually get arrested for breaking the law. Yeah, right. So, no, no, no. That absolutely took me out of it. Not that the senator was corrupt. It completely took me out of it thinking he wouldn't just get arrested. No, come on. No. I'm laughing because it's true. Hang on. Breaking news. Donald Trump just pardoned one of Fisk's senators. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. It's funny, but it's fucked up. (laughs) You put... Listeners, you probably won't be hearing this until after Christmas, but just know that uh, we're recording this on night two of Pardon Palooza. So <laughs> if you follow the news, sorry for getting topical here. <laughs> Electric Pardon Lou. <laughs> and I'm not going to say too much, but there's no way that senator is a part of the party that, well, maybe in the state of New York. But I was going to say, there's no way that senator is a part of the party where people resign when they're disgraced. Ah. <laughs> but maybe he is in that state. As they arrive to arrest Fisk, he finalizes agreements to send Vanessa to Europe and attempts to propose to her. Look, I think this scene would have been more powerful had they ended Nessundorma with the cops storming into Fisk's area. Because I remember watching this, really digging it, and then when they ended on the senator, I was like, who is that? And then they were like, Senator, do you have any comments? And I was like, oh, I guess that's the senator. But like, I think what was supposed to be a really cool scene ended kind of weird because they ended on somebody that I didn't know at all. Yeah, we've only seen him once, I think, in the entire Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And they've mentioned him a few times. The way that whole, the the walking out the center was shot, it made it feel like that was a character that was supposed to have been built up and used more in the season to this point than he was. Well, and like, we don't actually get that much... Like, I guess you get a little bit of character building between Vanessa and Fisk at this point, but you kind of already have that, right? You've we've already built up Fisk and Vanessa. I think having their conversation underneath 
the Nessundorma without being able to hear any of their words and just them talking, yeah. him giving her the ring as like Nessundorma's playing. We would and have then, gotten everything we needed. You're right. Exactly. Yeah, it I would have worked that. exactly the same and we would have ended the it on like a high note. Yep. Pun intended. I agree. Um, <laughs> Um, and so, I don't know, I just think that was a little bit of a missed opportunity. Not that I, because I really like the use of Nessun, mostly just because I really like that song. Um, but I just really like that whole thing. I thought it was really fun, and I wish it would have ended just a little better, because I was kind of confused at the end. Anyone else play that in high school band? Or... Yeah, okay. Hello, yeah. it's me. I played that in high school band. Yeah, excellent. I played Vesuvius. That's the thing I remember. Ooh. That's a fun song. Look that up. I played Tailback. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> jock. You jock. Oh, boy. Uh, we, got a, we got a regular old... I bet you beat up the water I couldn't boy. hear in the huddle jock. because of the band. How many letter jackets do you have, Robbie? <laughs> I got a I, humble brag, not even humble, but I have a national championship ring for being in marching band at U.S. What? Nice. Yeah, 2008. That's crazy. They, yeah, they, they bought the band's that. national championship rings. That's actually really That's cool. awesome. Yeah. So the band I wasn't a part of because I was on the field uh, won Grammys. I don't know if you know that they give out Grammys for best high school band. My high school band, the years I was there won the grammy two years wow. in a row see we were never close yeah. enough we we wouldn't even be up for a golden globe like <laughs> <laughs> they don't even do music so i don't know why i picked golden globes but <laughs> they could have won a, a tony kids choice should have gone with the kids choice award but oh well <laughs> yes, we, uh, we were really close you, to you a nickelodeon it. award it. It'll, sound, it'll sound like i made that one up on the spot we weren't even considered for a kid's choice. Yes. <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> President Clinton with his wife, Hillary. <laughs> oh my gosh. As they arrive to arrest Fisk, he finalizes agreements to send Vanessa to Europe and attempts to propose to her. The Nelson and Murdoch crew celebrates over a drink as the caravan moving Fisk is broadcast live on the news. Now, Peaches, person in the room with me, Hey. Uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Hey. <laughs> I did the shoulder touch, guys. He did do the shoulder touch. Um, Can confirm. What? You, you think that this is... I don't know how to ask this question, but you think this was a little rushed, correct? You think that they, yeah. they kind of missed the mark at least a little bit with this episode? Yeah, I just want to say sorry to the listeners right off the bat, because I'm going to sound... You know, let me just do a Marvel callback of my own. I'm going to sound like romance Krampus again here, uh, but not necessarily for romance reasons. Cause overall there's, I like this episode, but uh, there's enough about it that bothers me. And it's, and I don't exactly know how to put my finger on it, but I feel like one of the aspects of it is that this episode feels really rushed. It seems like the first 12 episodes of this show were building to something to this finale they were building to it at whatever pace they were building at but it felt consistent and then we got to this episode and it felt like 
the writers didn't get everything in that they wanted to in time. Maybe they felt like there were going to be more episodes or they wanted to put more things in the earlier episodes, but they had to have episode three so that you could hate it. But like, (laughs) it just felt like it was all at once. This last episode was like, all right, guys, we ran out of time. Tie up all the loose ends. And that's why I said, remind me to talk about these things because you guys talking about Owlsley, Owlsley was really smart the whole season. He was one of the people with a level head. He spent three episodes trying to convince Wesley that Kingpin needed to stop grieving about this woman because they had business to attend to. And while I'm not over here saying arguing against grieving about Vanessa being poisoned, I'm saying he was the one trying to be intelligent the whole time. And then the last episode, he's just like, well, I guess I'm going to give myself up. Like, he just decides not to be intelligent anymore. Why? Because he only has one episode left and they need to kill him because he's not going to be in season two. That's why they rushed it. They're like, well, he needs to die now. He didn't need to talk about any of the things that he talked about with Kingpin. And he just suddenly is like shaking in a frail old man. And I, like, that's part of what feels rushed. You're this scene feels really rushed. Much. I mean, that's the point. It's a montage, right? But this scene feels rushed and cheesy honestly it feels a little cheesy what other thing did i say to put uh, the fight in? scene where they don't show the fight scene yeah that's another thing we don't have time to do a fight scene guys just focus in on on um <clears throat> what's his name's Hoffman. face hoffman's face and pretend there's a fight in the background like it just seems like they fast forwarded through this episode and it was off-putting to me it, it took me out of the episode it just felt too much of a summary instead of a continuation of the story. Um, and I'll talk about yeah, the, I, the, the point that I made that has this ended in the notes also has a bunch about how cheesy this episode was too. I'll just bring that up later when it comes up because I know we're going to talk about it, but I told you that's that. that. Yeah, I know. But um, <laughs> that's, that's the main thing is I feel weird about this episode because it doesn't feel like it, comes close at all to the same pacing of the other ones. I love this episode. It is one of my favorite episodes ever in a television show. I've watched it repeatedly and I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> I feel like we have that exchange a lot, Robbie. <laughs> um, no, I, I completely you, agree. And it doesn't, or I agree with you, but what you said doesn't bother me. <laughs> and I think here's the thing. I have never rewatched this season until this. I watched the season the first time as a binge. And I've watched the finale a few times, but this is the first time I've rewatched it. And this is the first time that what you said kind of stuck out to me because what it feels like is we spent 12 episodes building up and then all the things we built were irrelevant in the end. They got him because they found a rat and caught the rat. And yes, the rat was established in the future rat was established in previous episodes. It's not a deus ex machina, but it's still like all of the investigative work of Ben Urich ended up being nothing. Um, Karen Page, all that Karen Page did was nothing. Um, what Foggy did was something, but was that was mostly just off screen. Yeah. Marcy isn't in this episode. It's just all of a sudden, here's some information from Marcy. It, it almost makes me wonder if they knew how this season was going to end, but then all the different writers, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen a trilogy that did this sort of thing, maybe, but different writers having their hands on it just made something that ended up being somewhat disjointed for the final product. Um Wow, been, wow, Sound Lord looks bad. I've been now. <laughs> my time hop has reminded me that a year ago today, I was uh, complaining about how they did not properly explain that 
we were supposed to understand that that stormtrooper lady was actually Lando's daughter. <laughs> I can't see Bright it. Light. I okay. think, though, even going back to the senator point like that Eduardo made, going back to the senator point, why did they have to show the senator? We heard about the corrupt right. senator for in, like, two sentences in the whole show. But I think... And they needed to right, quickly wrap th- that up, too. If I'm right, I think that might be why. Like, like, so you know the the, the main guy, Steve Estenite, who's m- the main driver of this show, who wrote and directed this episode. He may have thought that this senator is going to be a bigger deal, and the other people will, the other writers will use him a little bit more. Maybe there was a little bit more freedom of the writers, and he thought, yeah, I don't know, I, I created the senator, and he's a main character, and then you know now he's going to get arrested. And then when the season finally comes out, it's like, oh yeah, no, we didn't really use him, did we? Um, yeah. And yeah, that's kind of how it feels to me. It feels like we had a bunch of very interesting episodes, but the things that happened in those episodes, other than Daredevil's building and and his working towards his symbolism, just ended up not... It wasn't that they weren't entertaining. It's that they weren't important for the finale because the finale was completely self-contained. It's weird because there were, especially towards the beginning, you look at episode three, you look at the stick episode... There are episodes that stuck out as being, I don't want to say filler, necessarily, although maybe I will about episode three. Um, not the, the stick episode introduced a lot of important things, so like I can't call that one filler. But you look at some of the things that happened in some of the, like the first half of the season or the middle of the season, and you wonder, could this have happened in a different episode faster? Could we have moved along a little bit? To give us right. a little bit more time at the end to right. really pay off these stories. Because it's right. weird the that... The Hunt for Hoffman have been multiple episodes. That sort yeah, because it, it feels weird that simultaneously there were some episodes that felt that they dragged a little bit or didn't accomplish much. And then it feels rushed at the end. And that yep. shouldn't happen when you have 13 episodes. Yep. Uh, you know, a... a I don't want to make any assumptions, but I know that Stephen S. DeKnight did not come back for season two. Like they got different showrunners for season two, mm-hmm. uh, so I wonder if Marvel or Netflix or whoever had the hiring decisions, maybe if they looked at the finished product and said, "Oh, you know, we kind of want the show run a little bit tighter," and decided mm-hmm. to make a change at the top there. I don't know because I mean, like. I don't think there were any really bad episodes or anything, but it does feel like overall there were some things missing that, that, you know, if a couple things have been done differently throughout the season, uh, you know, they could have really set the landing, you know, and had a little bit more breathing room with the finale, maybe make it a two part finale to, you know, yeah, it could have been done without adding episodes. Is what I'm getting. I'm at. thinking about this more, and it almost feels like they wanted to take every single endpoint of all of the stories that they were accumulating and just shove them into one episode instead of spreading them out throughout the season. Like they wanted the suit reveal to be the last episode and only the last mm-hmm. episode, so they had to stick that in there. Yeah, they wanted all of the cops getting busted like all of the moles getting busted to be in one episode. So they had, they put this montage in here. Like it just seemed like they could have solved some more of these things along the way. And then this episode wouldn't have felt like being bombarded with six second clips of resolutions. Right. It would have been interesting to see 
Fisk unravel a little bit, right? You you take down his empire an episode or two before. You watch him sort of lose his sanity. You watch him get as angry as he has gotten at moments. You watch him lose his temper. You watch the whole Owsley thing happen in larger fashion. You could have mm-hmm. taken your time with that just a little longer so that when you have this final confrontation later on that we're going to get with Matt and Fisk, that it's, it's more meaningful. Mm-hmm. Not that it wasn't meaningful, but it, it could have been more. Yeah, right. Well, and that, that's not even unrealistic to do, as you guys all know, when, you know, the FBI is, even when it's in the news and you're public, when an FBI is, you know, chopping down a pyramid, chopping down a pyramid, whatever, yeah, that's, that's, that's what you know, you see the people at the bottom get arrested and then the people above that and so on. Like the person at the top of the scheme doesn't ne- ever just fall the same day. Right. So you could have seen the the people under Fisk and his empire, you know, the Turk Barretts are getting arrested and you start seeing that he feels that, you know, that noose tightening. That doesn't mean he gets arrested the same night. And that's not even unrealistic if you do it that way. Yeah. You know what? I didn't even think about the logistics of that until you just said it, but they spend a lot of this show talking about how Fisk owns like more than half of the cops. So how did they have enough cops to arrest all of the cops? It was, it was the FBI. I well, thought about that. He had part. people in the, the FBI too, didn't he? No, they said he had a bunch of people in New York. Oh, okay. He had cops, okay. he had senators, he had well, congressmen. Man, they sent a shitload of people then still. Yes, they, they did. They sent so many people yes, to arrest them all yes. at the same time. And he was still able to hire enough and guns also, to- And also, Hoffman uh, has the brain of a computer if he could remember all of those people that's yep. wild I, anyway i i'm i'm sorry to possibly be a Deb, debbie downer on that part i just it, it doesn't make me dislike the episode or the season as a whole it just feels out of place to me so it was something that i noticed and um part two of my point is gonna kind of be similar so sorry in advance again <laughs> i'm pressing enter it's becoming point two thank you <laughs> As Fisk sits in the back of an FBI prisoner van, he begins to talk to the guards about the story of the Good Samaritan. After finishing the story, Fisk says he loves Hell's Kitchen and always thought of himself as a Samaritan, out to help his neighbor. He then says he has deceived himself of his own true nature and angrily admits that he is not the Samaritan, nor even the priest of Levi. Levi? Priest or Levi. Priest or the Levi. Like the Yes. The I, priest walks past him. The Levi walks past him. What's a Levi? I don't know. It's a it's a nationality. It's it's jeans. That too. <laughs> the jeans walk past him. Hey, you jeans! The sisterhood of the traveling pants. Also, it should be Levi. I don't That's know why I wrote Levi. Uh, I would have read levied either way. I am the ill intent who set upon oh. the traveler on a on a road he should not have been on. Uh, Robbie. You're a fan of this speech, are you? He loves. I don't jeans. know why I'm talking like that. Are you, Robbie? Are you a fan yeah, of this speech? I'm just gonna say, I'm pretty sure this is my all-time favorite villain speech in any film or series. Um, before I get into the why, though, like Sound Lord, I want your reactions. Um, how you felt about this? About him telling the. And I have a specific reason I want to ask you, but what was your general thought on this speech? Okay, um, I have. It's going to sound weird. Recently, I read a Twitter thing about the Good Samaritan story mm-hmm. because the Pope um, 
I think, retold the story in his latest encyclical, I want to say. Um, yeah, in his recent encyclical, it's, it's about fraternity and social friendship, and he retells the story of the Great Samaritan. And someone tweeted this article that was... <laughs> Someone tweeted this article, um, and they were confounded by this article because it was criticizing the Pope's interpretation of the Good Samaritan story. And I was going to say, I'm not going to say the Pope's infallible, but then I'd actually get kicked out of the church. Um, But that's, I'm exaggerating. But, you know, like, it was the story. Excommunicated Lord. (laughs) You know, probably just calling myself Lord is bad enough, but, uh, <laughs> um, is the Pope a listener? Is he going to find out? He might be. Pope, no. if you listen, hit us up. <laughs> uh, you know, check, uh, I'll check and see if we have any downloads in the Vatican. <laughs> Cause we can see around the world, like where people are downloading our show. So yeah, but, but yeah, no, he tells the story with the basic, uh, interpretation that most people have, which is. You know, who was the neighbor, the Samaritan. And so we should all, um, you know, try to be like that. And, and he and Pope Francis actually asked a question, which of these people do you identify with? Which is the the question that Fisk answers um, in his monologue, which I thought was interesting. Um, but this person's article was about how oh, the priest and the Levite had very good reasons for walking by this guy. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yikes. That is very much not the point of the story because it ends was with this the Wall talking... Street Journal? <laughs> it was firstthings.com. Um, oh. I don't know. Major publication. What is that? Yeah, major. Major publication. Yeah, everyone, everyone knows first things. Um, but yeah, no, they were trying to say that, you know, no, the priest had, had probably had religious reasons for walking by the Samaritan and not helping. Um, and that that was the point of the story. And literally the next verse is Jesus talking about the Samaritan and telling his disciples, go and do likewise. Go be the, you know, be the person that helps their neighbor. I stopped reading there. Yeah. (laughs) And, and the, the person who tweeted it, there was a comment that was like, like, so what Jesus didn't tell you is that the eye of the needle is actually really huge and camels walk through them all the time. (laughs) Um, yeah, so, so, so that's what I was thinking of oh, while he was giving his okay. his speech. Uh, was man, here's another guy that doesn't know what the story's about. Well, part of why I want your reaction is, as you know, there have been many points in our doing these episodes where I've thought, "Oh my god, I'm so excited for Chris to get to this part." Uh-huh. And one is because you have talked a lot about how cliche the uh, the misguided righteous villain. Uh, trope is and how this is yet another villain who thinks he's doing good and i think it's a very interesting twist that i was wondering how you were going to feel about that towards the end he realizes oh no wait i'm not doing good i'm the bad guy yeah fuck you for being in my way yeah it was Um, interesting it was really interesting and it's kind of one of those things that i almost wish had happened a little bit more gradually um because he goes from i will save this city to i will drown this city uh, mm-hmm. like in, in the span of one episode, but that was a good speech. Uh, and yeah. I would have liked to have seen him realize this over like maybe the last couple episodes leading up to this speech as he finally says, I will 
I will be what you all think I am. Well, and I remember the first time I ever watched it, it took me by surprise because I, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, yeah, he's going to say I'm the Samaritan and woe is me and the city just doesn't understand. And then he just turns to, and then, then I'm waiting, what is he going to say what, when he realizes I'm not the Samaritan? And then just to say, I am, I am the ill intent was just such a, yeah, like, cause this, this as just as much as this is the daredevil origin story, this is also the kingpin origin story. And this is the kingpin origin moment. The, I am the ill intent. Mm -hmm. I am the bad guy. Um, and it just took me a long time to realize it, that that's what I am. Mm -hmm. And so that alone is, and and maybe I'm alone in this, but I just thought that was so mind-blowingly clever. And to use a use a common story, um, but then it's also it's all just done so well. Um, this is Vincent D'Onofrio's best performance in this season. Uh, the, you know, sitting in that truck, giving this story, giving a story that we all know, mm -hmm. but just giving it very dramatically and very interestingly. Yeah. Um, wondering where is he going with this story? That you know, this this. Uh, common story that doesn't need to be retold um and then the way he twists it at the end um his delivery is fantastic the way the music goes dark when he says i am the ill intent is chilling um and then there's also a nice moment when he first starts talking about the samaritan the camera cuts away and shows matt murdoch which is mm -hmm. okay that's cliche but it works out really yeah. well um i just think it's fantastic i i absolutely love it it's it's probably without a doubt my favorite villain's villain speech it kind of continues what i spoke about a few episodes about the parallels happening with kingpin and daredevil's story mm -hmm. and this episode while kingpin finally comes to terms with he is the villain on the reverse while matt understands that he has the devil inside of him he comes to terms with even though yeah. there is a devil inside of me I need to be the hero. And once yep. again, these, these stories are playing out in parallel and they're, I think I would That's assume by design that uh, they're playing out that way. They're taking these characters that start from uh, similar beginnings ish um, and kind of take them having these sort of character crises and then seeing how they deal with their own demons. And you've got Vincent yes. D'Onofrio who finally decides I'm not the hero, I'm the villain. And then mm -hmm. on the very opposite, you've got Matt Murdock saying, you know what? I'm not the villain, I'm the hero. Mm -hmm. That's very astute, host. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I like that. As Fisk calls himself the ill intent, a fan of armed men stops the FBI cavalcade, <laughs> sh shoots the agents, and transports <laughs> Fisk to a truck. Telling hey, his it just reads the typo. Hey, excuse me. I love armed men. And you need to stop. <laughs> I'm a big fan. <laughs> It wasn't until several words after that I knew what you were trying to write there, and then I was too far in. They have, they have a phone finger that says <laughs> number one. Arm men number one. Do you want to join the Armed Men fan club? Then the right to the required. <laughs> 
Unfortunately, armed men was deemed offensive, so now they're just the Hell's Kitchen uh, gun team. Uh, the, the fan shoots the agents and transports Fisk to a truck, telling his men to kill anyone who follows. Seeing Fisk's, esca- seeing Fisk's escape on the news, Murdoch, again with Foggy protesting, leaves to be a hero. Murdoch stops to visit Melvin Potter, who shows Matt, but not the audience, the armor he's made, and Murdoch again promises to make sure Betsy is safe. Fisk's men shuffle him to a different truck and begin moving him to a helipad to meet with Vanessa. Fisk tells Vanessa if he is not there in 15 minutes to leave without him. As the truck starts to make its way down an empty back street uh, nearing the pad, a red baton crashes through the windshield and the truck falls over. Fisk pushes his way out of the truck and Daredevil, in full red-armored horned costume, lands on top of the truck and tells Fisk, you are right, not everyone deserves a happy ending. Now, first off, Chris, what did you think of the suit when you first saw it? I know you probably saw it in promos and stuff, but this is your first time seeing it live action. What did you think? Um, You know, it, it looks good i i wasn't like blown away by it but but i liked it It, it's weird that we've gone like all these um you know all these episodes of it being a fairly serious show and now he's got you know little horns on his head and everything um but it worked yeah i think the suit is cool. I think the suit looks cool on Matt. Like, Charlie Cox plays it well. I think his fighting in the suit is cool. The fight that he happens right now where he, like, throws it, it ricochets off the truck and then hits the dude in the head. Yeah. Super cool. I think all the action with it is cool. At the very same time, I don't necessarily think the suit fits in the world that they have created. Uh, I think it is a little out of place and so much so that I think the writers agreed because I am aware that in future seasons, he doesn't wear the suit for a while. And whether that is a contrivance of the story or not, that's okay. But there is a time where he goes back to wearing all black with the mask on. Hmm. And I think that's because at times it works a little better than the full red horn getup because of this sort of, we use, I feel like we have a lot of trigger words in this up in this show, and the word grounded is one that I use 300 times an episode. But I feel like this is a very grounded in reality type of show. And then suddenly there's a man in a full red suit with devil horns. And it just, it is off-putting to everything else that we have seen. That doesn't necessarily make it bad. It's just strange. It feels like it doesn't necessarily fit. And to Peaches's point, it might have fit a little better if they would have introduced it not within the last 10 minutes of the episode. So I have two things to say on all that, which is mostly agreement. Um, In terms of Peaches saying introducing it sooner, well, as much as I love this reveal and love this season, I did feel a little disappointed the first time I watched this that I watched a whole Daredevil season and he was Daredevil for two minutes. Sure. Um, And then continuing on without spoiling too much for Soundlord, then also, we ended the series without him being Daredevil. We really just had Daredevil in season two, this three-season thing. There's one season where he's Daredevil plus the, the Defenders. Hmm. Um, and to your point of agreeing, they dramatically altered the way the suit looked in season two and I think made hmm. it look a lot better. Oh, I'm excited. In terms of what you're talking about with him not using the suit in season three, it, it, some of it was a contrivance of story, but... and. You may well be right about they thought, ah, he looks cool in the black mask. 
But it goes deeper than that. It was, if you guys don't know, season three is mostly an adaptation of a Frank Miller's run where he was not wearing, where he was wearing the black mask, was not wearing the suit. And that was because Frank Miller thought, this, who is the grim darkest of all comic book writers, hated the suit and thought it looked stupid. Well, that's so where they get the suit. That's where they get the black mask in the first place. Mm-hmm. That yes, they got that. He, they originally put him in that because of the Frank Miller comic, and correct. then they eventually just did that comic. Right. Yes. So a lot of that's where that's coming from. Um, it does work in season three. It is cool. Um, I was disappointed in season three by how little Daredevil there is, but the way the suit is used, without spoiling things for Chris, even though it directly comes with the comics. The way the suit was used in season three was cool. I think my real disappointment is that there again, there's no season four. I think that's where my actual disappointment lies. Mm. True. But is yeah, it looks a little weird. back on my the second half of my one point, or sure. should I wait? Whatever okay. you want. Does this feel like sir, a right time? Sir writer. <laughs> I am a fan uh, of armed writers. <laughs> I can tell you that your second point is basically going to be arguing with Eduardo's next point. Oh. <laughs> Is it? Like, I, don't I don't know. think that that thing is what I think okay, fine. for me. Fine, just say your words, Peach. Okay, I'll say, I'll use my words. So let me piggyback off of you by saying I agree with everything that you said about the suit. It's cool. It does not belong. It it like it doesn't look, here's here's the thing, back to your grounded, back to your realism thing. Twelve Again, 12 and a half at this point, episodes of mostly something that feels like it could exist in our lives 100% without any any fantasizing if you will sure. if you want to call it that <clears throat> and sure. then and then this episode the second half of it just becomes so comic book and obviously we are an MCU podcast like we're watching things that come straight from pages where we've we've talked several episodes about a dude with a magic hammer like it's not like it's not like I'm opposed to comic books but it just feels so different in this episode that it kind of gets to the point of corniness too many times. And again, still, I am a fan of corniness, but it just feels very out of place. The suit doesn't feel like it belongs. And he has to like, I don't know if y'all noticed this. It seems like every time he's on screen in the new suit, he does like an action pose. Like he is straight... The whole the thing that Chris says like every episode to make fun of him like I'll use my sub, my subliminally good hearing to detect the battery acid that's melting in my pocket like whatever it might be he's like scene and pose and then does a flip off the car and pose and like Captain America's his baton and then pose and it's just it it feels like a photo shoot it's weird it's he also and there's one thing that like irks me and i've mentioned this once before <laughs> but it really irks me how many unnecessary flips he does in his combat <laughs> he flip so often to do a simple kick he could just kick the guy and it would be the same thing but and no you'd think, he needs to do some sort of somersault thing because it looks cool and you think that would disorient him more because he's blind if he's doing flips now he has to figure out where he's at again like i i don't know his powers are weird we go back to his powers are weird but overall i i feel like it 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 went from paced the way it was paced to really quick and it went from real to corny another couple examples of the corniness again i i the montage thing was both rushed and corny so i could have used that in either situation um and later on when they name him that feels corny like it, 
just once this red suit daredevil starts happening, it feels like a completely different show. In, yeah, and it's not a lot of it. it's not that it's a bad thing. It is that they have set this precedent for, like you said, 12 and a half episodes where they're going to do things this way. And at the very end, they went full comic book. And once again, we do a comic book show. We don't dislike full comic book. Right. But when you are making a show and you are pointing us in this direction the entire time, and at the very last second, you go, we're taking left. We're going to go see Powerline instead of going on the fishing trip. <laughs> that's when things get kind of weird. It's not necessarily bad. It's just different from everything that they've pointed us at. It's like a dude coming to a meeting in full business suit, tie, jacket, pants, left shoe but the right shoe is a clown shoe (laughs) why is the right shoe a clown shoe why couldn't you find your other shoe i don't hate clown shoes but it just doesn't match up with everything else you've got on yeah either go full clown or full business suit make up your mind now that just reminded me of xavier firing the x-men what is this cats are coming back to broadway thing full full gloves or fingerless gloves pick one Yeah, and and I think you're right that, you know, if they had maybe introduced it or even foreshadowed it visually when they foreshadowed it and he's like, I need armor and all that other stuff. But if they had visually foreshadowed it like throughout like the second half of the season, then they maybe could have saved the suit reveal for the last episode and it wouldn't have felt so jarring that all of a sudden we've got a Power Ranger out there. I just remembered the ultimate cheesiest part of all of this is the very last scene when he's standing on the roof and he's like listening around for someone to help. And he does like this really robotic, like turn to the right to like identify the source that he heard. And then he jumps into action. That felt very much like the end of prisoner of Azkaban for me. When, when Harry is flying through the air and he like freeze frames into the breakfast club, you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) That felt very unnecessary. <laughs> I didn't like it. Okay, I'm done shitting on this episode. I, I swear overall I liked Are it. You? It just <laughs> felt strange. It felt weird. I wonder if I liked it more than you guys did. Because I think I came to this series at a point when I was still very concerned that we were embarrassed about making comic book stuff and it felt like this was them saying no nah, nah, we did all this grimdark stuff but still a comic book and maybe that's why i liked it so much robbie secretly likes the idea of full business outfit but one clown shoe <laughs> you have to know me well enough to know that i do <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's so weird because it's similar to, um, I don't know if any of you ever watched any of the Arrowverse, but when Arrow first came out, it wasn't called the Green Arrow because they didn't want it to be too comic booky. They wanted it to be like a TV show of the Dark Knight series. So they called him the Hood and he was basically just Bruce Wayne, but instead he was Oliver Queen and they did all these things and as the show went on they slowly were like actually this is awesome if we just did the green arrow and eventually he becomes known as the green arrow and he gets all the weird comic book stuff and they end up making a flash show and legends of tomorrow and on a batwoman show and they end up doing all these weird comic book things throughout it but it has a similar timeline to this daredevil thing where at first they were like we need to go dark 
because this is what the people want. And then they started being like, actually, is this what the people want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Stephen Amell showed up in WWE, and then everything was weird. Is that the guy that plays Arrow? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. He like there. He had a weird thing where he did a match one year, and he like was at the barricade, and he jumped over the barricade and jumped in the ring and wrestled a guy. It was, re- it was super weird. Did he do it in Green Arrow costume? No, it was just him. Oh. And if that's the case, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should have done it in costume. Yeah. It's, oh boy. It's it's. It's interesting watching like these long-running comic book adaptations. How they eventually like some of them start off so serious and then embrace their comic book roots. Like like you said, Arrow starts off so serious and it ends with Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. like it doesn't get more comic book than that. And you know, I could have even, even had what's his name Batman. What's his name? Um, played. Uh, oh, Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy played uh, Thomas Wayne. The Thomas Wayne Wait, version. Really. Okay, that's actually really cool. Yeah. No, they had, because on Crisis, they had um, the guy that, I'm blanking on his name, and he just died, like, earlier this week, but he was in Batman 89. He had a cameo as his character. Um, Kevin Conroy played, like, a future version of Batman who had killed Superman or something like that. I thought it was Thomas Wayne. Oh, maybe it was. I don't know. I, I can't remember. They had um, this guy, Brandon Routh, back as Superman. Yes, yeah, because Brandon Routh is on Legends of Tomorrow as the Atom, but Correct. they had him play Superman. They had him play, and it was strongly implied that it was his version of Superman. That's interesting. Tom Welling was back as Clark Kent from yep. uh, from Smallville. Like yep. they, they went out, and then um, Ezra... Um, Ezra, Ezra Miller, Miller had a cameo as, as the Flash. Flash from Justice League. And the Flash movie that will also probably be Crisis on Infinite Earths, or basically what we're saying is that Spider-Man Three is just copying everything the Arrowverse did. And See, what so, I heard is you saying the Defenders could have been an Infinity War. Absolutely, yes, yeah. Except for Iron Fist, he's not invited. Yeah, we just don't talk about that guy. Yeah. Colleen Wing, though, she's invited. What if Iron Fist got dusted and was, but Hulk chose not to bring him back when he snapped. Everyone but Danny Rand. Dang. <laughs> That's just drugs. Let's not bring Danny Rand back. I did, That's messed up. I didn't Bruce. bring back Danny Rand. <laughs> oh, man. And he knows about them because his cousin is a lawyer who knows Matt Murdock. Mm-hmm. There we go. We have to go deeper. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we always do on this podcast. Bum, 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 bum. The kingpin attempts to flee down a back alley, but is cornered by Daredevil. Fisk angrily yells at the hero that he ruined everything, saying, I'm going to kill you. In a callback to episode 9, Daredevil responds with, take your shot. The two engage in a vicious fight, with Fisk's raw strength and brutality and Murdoch's heightened senses in martial arts. After being pushed around for a while, Kingpin manages to get the upper hand and begins beating Daredevil with his own baton, finally saying he hates this city and it deserves people like him and to drown in its own filth. Saying, my city, my family, Daredevil is able to take back his baton and beat Kingpin down. While that line is a little weird. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I think this fight is cool. And yes. I think that their interaction is cool. I like, you know, I uh, I was watching um, 
I was watching Lord of the Rings earlier today, and I even texted our Good group choice. Text, the Council of Elrond is one of my favorite scenes in the whole thing because it just makes me feel good. You know, you see them, you you get, you know, we make you. I feel like I make fun of it all the time, where they're like, uh, "You have my sword, and you have my bow, and my axe." Like that whole thing. I feel like I make fun of it a lot, but also it makes me feel really good when I see yes. it. And I feel like emotions every time. And I'm like, oh man, they got his back, man. <laughs> They're homies. They're all that's homies. Why, and that's why that's my favorite of the trilogy. Not, not in the books, but in the film is because of that companionship and support feeling. Like it's, it, that movie has a warmth that the others don't. It is similar to how I feel about the first couple Harry Potter movies, that they have a certain certain whimsy to them that the others do not. And you don't get that again because they go a lot darker in the other ones, but that that feeling, that, that good feeling, I like search for that good feeling in the media that I consume. And sometimes you need to watch something that has a lot of bad in it to then feel the type of high at the end or the good at the end, like in a scene like this. And that's what Daredevil did to me here. It just felt like there was just so much going wrong for the characters in this show. And I felt so bad for them and we're in 2020 and everything sucks. And I felt so bad for everyone. And then finally Daredevil comes up and he triumphs against Kingpin. And you know what? My city, my family was kind of stupid, but I thought the fight was cool. And I liked how I felt afterwards. My city, my family sounds like something people would chant at an Orlando City soccer game. It sounds like you um, start that. It sounds like <laughs> the motto of a pizza chain. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if, if Orlando City wins, make sure you type in code, code my, my city, city, my family <laughs> to Papa John's. Get that fifty percent off. Peach, I know you don't go to many go sporting Orlando events. Orlando City! I know you don't go to many sporting events, so it's spooky how accurate that just was. <laughs> yeah. Just because I don't do it regularly doesn't mean I haven't been to sporting events. I if like sporting go, events. If you go to a Rays game and they get 10 strikeouts, you can take your ticket stub to the nearest participating Kane's Furniture. That Kane's Furniture <laughs> will turn... No, it gets worse. That Kane's Furniture will turn your ticket stub into a voucher for i think papa john's it's something you gotta go you gotta go to the game then go to the furniture store then you get the food yeah you underestimate how much i like sporting events i don't love watching sports on tv or getting into like the um super dissection of stats and sports which is weird because i'm a data guy but i will go to any sporting event live i enjoy watching i enjoy the energy of a stadium uh, or an arena. Dude, Eduardo and I, when we went to BlizzCon, we were geeking out so hard Ooh. watching um, pe- watching fucking 12 nerds play Overwatch on oh a stage God. because everybody in the arena was banging on those like sticks and everybody was like super hyped to watch these people play Overwatch. Dude, you can put anything in the center of an arena yeah. and I'll get Wait. hyped up. Uh-huh. Okay, next time March Madness is in the Amway Center, everyone come to Orlando. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I went when last time. I, I remember I was I super lived. jealous. I had tickets and got sick. Oh. <laughs> or we could go see the Orlando Magic, or we could go see the Tampa Bay Rays. I will take any of the above. I want to go to the Rays. I would love I to go to a Rays game with you guys, but that's not. A Rays game does not describe an arena atmosphere. No. Also, I don't think right now during socially distanced time that 
any well, we're not arena going now. is going to have an Yeah, arena. we're not going now. Yeah. Oh, so we're never going. One day. I mean, y'all could come to Gainesville with me sometime. For a football I game. have always wanted to go to the swamp. It's it's pretty amazing. Not going to lie. Ooh. You need to wear shoes that you can't easily take off, Robbie. You need to wear <laughs> shoes that you can easily kick Kingpin with, like Daredevil did to hey. take him down finally. <laughs> Yeah, it's a cool fight. I think it's a cool fight. Now, Peaches, yeah, I know you I had some, some necessarily, not that you didn't like the fight, but you had some feelings about the sort of the last interaction with Kingpin and Matt, right? Oh, and I mean, I already said it earlier. Yeah, okay. it was just the cheesiness of like all of his poses. Sure. I didn't like, like we, I don't know. I can't add too much more to it. It's just like, we already know you're in the suit. You don't have to. This isn't you're not shooting for Vogue like you're yeah. <laughs> you're fighting a bad guy like you don't need to like hit and then pose like he, he also yeah like Chris or Robbie said earlier you're not a Power Ranger like yeah, it's not morphin time you're fighting a guy you know you know how like, in, just fight the damn guy no in Super Smash Brothers in Cineroar, whenever you connect with a hit he poses yeah. Yeah, it's like he thought he was a luchador there. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's like that aspect of it just feels so much different from all of his other fight scenes because we've talked about those being real too. And one thing I specifically talked about that I liked about Daredevil is that when he was in these fight scenes, he was never clearly the winner. He was like getting his ass beat too. Mm-hmm. And he was struggling to get back up and he'd punch a dude and then he'd fall back to the ground. And then he'd get up and another guy gets up and he stupidly does a flip kick he doesn't have any energy but he does a flip and kicks him in the face (laughs) and then he falls on the ground again and this time he's like now that i've got this power armor on i have all this time for poses we i have so many so much time for activities (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the leisure time every superhero wishes they had yeah, if, if we all had a suit like that, maybe we could pose too. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe, that, maybe I'm just not in the know. <laughs> when Kingpin asks him if one man in a silly costume will change anything, Daredevil ends the fight with a massive drop punch. He does like a Superman punch. Yeah. Uh, Brett Mahoney arrives and arrests Fisk, asking the hero what to call him as he climbs a nearby fire escape. I also hated this. Oh my God. I hated the, what did he, what exactly does he say? Something, something we're good. Are we good? Like I forgot exactly what he says, (laughs) but I hated that line. Uh, I know what you're talking about. He's like, uh, I said I was going to clean up this city. We good. And it just, why couldn't you have just left? Why couldn't you have just left? And we could have had the cool scene where you, you take down, Fisk, and then people are like, ooh, and he like sees you climbing up the thing, so he sees you in the costume. You don't have to have this stupid interaction that ruins the moment. Yeah. I don't know if you guys can tell how I felt about this, but I didn't like this line. (laughs) I thought him climbing up the fire escape and like parkouring away just looked so weird. It's like there's a reason they never show Batman leaving. Uh, You know, (laughs) you turn around and he's gone. (laughs) It's okay. are like, yo, we good? Where your where your cop friends at? Are they getting Mike and Ike's? Do they like Mike and Ike's? Where's are they, Harvey? Are face? they coming back? <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of easy. Yeah, 
The next day, the paper gives the hero his name, Daredevil, as the Nelson and Murdoch crew apply their sign to the outside of the building. Uh, Chris, corny names, go. Oh, um, corny. I don't even remember what the corny names. Your hatred of the smash cut. Oh, we just talked yeah. About. Oh, yeah. We just got. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, what do I call you? And he parkoured away. And then smash cut to Daredevil collars Fisk. And, uh, well, I kind of made my point out there about how Batman would have done it much more gracefully. But, you know, at least we do have our, our superhero origin story now. Uh, so. <laughs> also, how did they. I just, I'm just imagining Mahoney talking to the press. They're like, what, what, like, what did he do? I don't know. He like, no, man, he was fire just... escape. Like he was some kind of daredevil. <laughs> oh no. Daredevil. I like that. Scribbles down on paper. That makes me wish he would have rode away on like a motocross bike. <laughs> jumped over a ramp. He's got like a cape on. <laughs> Puts on a helmet with bigger horns. That's, that's what he says in the next scene. He's like, I sound like I should be uh, jumping over, over a canyon. <laughs> um, actually, I, I did find out something interesting about that. Uh, the smash cut to the uh, the newspaper. The, the um, artist's rendition of Daredevil. On that uh, on that newspaper, I'm looking up the name right now of the artist who did it. The artist who did it was. I it's like you're writing an English paper right it's now. Pulled too far. Yeah. Um, here, let me search this. Oh yes, it was uh, Alex Maleev who uh, was the artist when Brian Michael Bendis wrote Daredevil. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, so that's neat. That's cool when they when they get the actual comic people involved in, in the show. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, I, we, we kind of already touched on everything that that I wanted to say about this. That you know, maybe if they had introduced it a little bit earlier, it wouldn't have felt so like all of a sudden. Hey, we got to get everything. We got five minutes left. We got to get all this stuff out there now. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think we kind of covered everything that went through my mind during that last scene. Parkour. Yeah, exactly. Parkour. <laughs> in his prison cell, dressed in white, the kingpin sits down and stares intently at his empty, textured white cell wall. Yeah. So I want to point out, I don't know if you caught this part, Soundlord, um, but the writers actually talked about this, how this season was kingpin starting out dark and getting grayer and grayer, and it is intentional that this is finally him dressed in his iconic white is okay. It's a jail costume. Man, I thought you were about to be like, Chris, I don't know if you noticed this, but the wall that he was staring <laughs> at was very similar to the painting that he bought, which was also based on the wall. Now, Chris, I don't know if you noticed this, but that guy in the jail cell, that was Wilson Fisk. Who was actually in several episodes this season. <laughs> I don't know why I thought you were going to say that. I'm sorry. This is now this is now pop-up video. <laughs> My favorite pop-up video um, ever was Walking in Memphis. Um, but you would have to listen to Walking in Memphis. But let me tell you why why I why I loved it because there's the line where you know the ghost or whoever says, "Boy, are you a Christian child?" I said, "Man, I am tonight." And it goes, "Whoop, he's Jewish." <laughs> <laughs> it was just beautiful comic timing <laughs> what a weird song what a weird yeah. song certainly improved by having whoop happen every every couple seconds 
Big takeaways from this episode. Peach, we'll start with you. What's your big takeaway from this episode? Okay, from this episode specifically, it's that the writers or producers or whoever was involved did not understand pacing. That is my big takeaway from the final episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all I can think about is how they they just... They, it feels like they didn't plan the last episode as well as they could have. Or they didn't plan the rest of the season as well as they could have to fit the last episode. Whatever whatever order of operations needed to happen there to make it feel paced better, they did not understand it. In my opinion, maybe I'm wrong, I don't produce or write move, uh, Netflix shows. In fact, I have nothing to do with them other than watching them. So I'm sorry if I'm being a bigoted jack wagon right now. People that work in... Uh, bigoted against the race of Netflix showrunners. That, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just used that word. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, my biggest takeaway from this episode is that I really want to rewatch Jessica Jones. <laughs> I finished this and I was like, the next thing I want to do right now is watch Jessica Jones. Like, I want to watch this. And I haven't started it yet, but I'm going to watch the whole season, first season of Jessica Jones, because I really remember really enjoying it. I remember enjoying it specifically after I watched Daredevil. And so I want to feel those feelings again. Robbie, what about you? Uh, this episode's so good. I watched it multiple times. Weirdly, I think I like it less now because of our conversations and also... <laughs> Sorry. It is a great... No, no, no. What it really is, is it's a great standalone episode, but I think it's lacking a little bit as a season finale for the reasons we went over. So I think seeing it again as part of this rewatch has made me like it a little less, but like like we're, we're splitting hairs here, like it a little less. Um, the moment of Daredevil's reveal on the truck, the baton flying through the windshield and then him on the truck... Like, that is some of the best epic superhero that the MCU has to offer. Uh, Soundlord, how, what was your big takeaway of this episode? Yeah, I mean, I guess for me it was kind of like, like you said, it didn't feel like a great season finale. It felt like a season finale because things that should happen in a season finale happened. We got big reveals, we got climactic battles, um, but I, I did think that it was not the strongest episode of the season, uh, so... Now, I don't want to say it was disappointing because I still enjoyed it and you know I'm still looking forward to what you know where it's going next but but yeah it just I don't know it wasn't the it didn't quite stick the landing but it did well enough now where do we think this fits in the MCU well because it wasn't in Avengers or Infinity War or Endgame apparently not at all but sounds like it's gonna be fitting Matt Murdock at the very least is gonna fit in the MCU in the future good Wink. yeah yeah i i still remain disappointed that there was less crossover between the netflix verse and the mcu verse um just yeah. throwing a bone and having the defenders in the portals scene would have been enough to make me happy yeah i i, I understand logistically why it was difficult i do and and why that won't be a problem going forward now that marvel studios is making their own tv shows you know now they can integrate it more tightly um yeah. but but i agree pretty much with all of, all the with with the netflix stuff with agents of shield i would have liked to have seen more crossover between them and then with the movies as well you know and at least the netflix shows got their big crossover moments but but yeah it would have been cool uh if they had crossover more but i am glad that it looks like charlie cox is not done 
and mm-hmm. you know, and now it sounds like he's coming back for multiple things, which is really exciting. And it will be really interesting if he is part of Jessica Jones. I mean, already him coming into a Spider-Man movie is going to be such a, a shift, but it makes perfect sense because Daredevil and Spider-Man should should you know be together. Uh, but putting him in a, in what sounds like it's going to be just a straight up comedy, uh, after you know being probably the darkest, grittiest, nastiest thing in the MCU, uh, that will be fun. I think. You said very, Jessica Jones, but you meant She-Hulk. Oh, uh, what's that? Oh, you said I, Jessica Jones. Oh, I meant Jessica meant Walters She-Hulk. or Jennifer Walters. I meant Jennifer she- Walters. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's what I meant was She-Hulk. Yeah. I Jessica also Jones, think he, not a comedy. <laughs> I'm really excited to see him in that specific show because he plays. Matt Murdock so seriously. I would love to see that serious character in a comedy. Yeah. Yes. And I think Charlie Cox does like charming, fun, kind of well too. You know, we only see glimpses of it this season. So I, so I, I think Daredevil might seem like a weird fit for a comedy, but I think Matt Murdock is not. Sure. I feel like you are going to find that we don't really get a lot more of the. <laughs> little quirky side of of matt murdoch going forward yeah. uh, at least what i've seen of the rest of the netflix series he gets a lot more serious yeah. mm. well well hopefully he'll lighten up a little bit well big takeaways from the season as a whole chris we're gonna start with you because out of the four of us you're the only one that this is your first time watching the series so i'm very interested what'd you think what'd you think of the series as a whole as this was your first time diving in yeah, it turns out that the violent MCU actually works, uh, which which kind of surprised me. And, and it is pretty wild that it is ostensibly happening in the same universe as, you know, a lot of the stranger movies and more lighthearted things that we have seen. But, you know, that's life, too. We've talked about how, you know, in the same universe that people have fun birthday parties, people are getting murdered. So it, it's not... That was a weird way to put that, but you get my point. You know, it's not mutually exclusive. It's just totally interesting when when you create a cinematic universe like that. A birthday and a death day. It was opposites. Well, okay. Well, let me put it this way. Uh, you take, um, you know, the movie Tag, which was a no. weird comedy with, uh, with Jeremy Renner in it about adults who have been playing a lifelong game of tag i don't think i've ever heard of this movie ever really yes keep going but yeah, i've heard of it based on a true story which means it's set in the same cinematic universe as lincoln okay <laughs> two totally completely different things but set in the same universe <laughs> Are all things that are based on a true story in the same universe? Yes. I guess they have to be. Yeah, you know, you know, you you twelve years a slave, same universe. Annabelle, Annabelle is in the is in the tag universe. Yeah, we, you, yes, yes, because it's based on a true story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, I learned something today. I learned two things today because I got to be honest. I'm sorry, listeners. I didn't realize that the word bigot was a racist thing. I thought it was just somebody being a jackass in general, but like to a next level. So I should have used a different word. 
I wasn't trying to drag you. I just thought you misspoke. No, I wanted to make sure that I didn't say the wrong thing from now on. I learned that. I thought it was just, I, I knew it was a bad thing. I didn't know the exact definition. So now I know. Don't be a bigot. Yeah. But anyway, right. uh, my uh, one thing I really enjoyed about the season was that having several episodes, you can do sort of a deeper dive on the characters. And, uh, and I particularly, as you might imagine, I enjoyed Matt's internal struggle uh you know with his conscience conscience for some reason i almost said conscious and i would have said this wilson fisk's conscience (laughs) the sixth sheik's sixth Um, sheep's sixth i will say i'm really i'm really gonna miss making eduardo say wilson fisk's over and over again. God, I hate <laughs> anything that belongs to Wilson Fisk. <laughs> Are you not a fan of his arms? <laughs> no, I am not a fan of Wilson Fisk's arms. Well, you're out of the club. <laughs> I am not a fan Dang. of his armed guards. Uh, Roddy, what about yeah. you? Uh, I thought the season was absolutely fantastic. Um, it's interesting. I think I like it less because of all the holes we poked in it. Um, <laughs> we usually don't wear you down like that, Robbie. I gotta say, I'm impressed with us. Well, well, over several episodes, episodes we had time. that. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, but, and I, I do, I now pretty confidently think season three is better. Um, but I, Daredevil, I think, is as good as just about anything else in the MCU. What about you, Peach? I have basically the same feelings as Chris. I I was skeptical when all of these first rolled out that it wouldn't work because it didn't have the same feel. Um, And I I wasn't sure if it was going to take off. I'm glad that it did. I'm glad that they took off. I'm glad that of the four, uh, well, I guess including Defenders, of the five of the six shows that I've watched, only one of them was a dud. Um, And honestly, doing this, was good practice for our Disney plus shows coming up, but it also just makes me want to watch Jessica Jones. Also, like I, I'm kind of on the JJ train right now. I want to watch it. And I'm, I, I don't know how I feel about talking about it because it's really dark and there's some fucked up things in it, but yeah, man, I watch it either way. Mm-hmm. Talking about that'd be stressful. <clears throat> yeah. That show gets, I mean, it's so funny. We're talking about Daredevil where like a guy's head gets slammed in and a little kid beats his dad with a hammer. And yet we're like, nope, we got to calm down with Jessica Jones. It gets a little dark. Everyone. (laughs) Episode one alone is more fucked up than anything in Daredevil. Oh, gee. Yeah. Yeah. Jessica Jones is, is very dark, but I think it works in its favor. I think the, yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's good. I absolutely think it's good. I just don't think it's as easy to talk about. No, probably not. And for me, I was kind of in and out of the season, specifically at episode three. Uh, I was definitely out at episode three. Bailey was out and never came back. Um, but by the end of it, I was into it. I was I was back into it. And I'm I'm ready to keep watching the Netflix shows. Maybe after we're done here, Peaches and I, we go, we turn on some Jessica Jones. We have ourselves a night in. And chill. Uh, MVPs. Who we got? Who we got? Peach, we'll start with you. Who's your MVP? Oh, let me just say everybody in the show okay so legally i think i have to say kingpin uh i'll ask bailey for her opinion on that <laughs> because pink pinkin kingpin is the one ever at the end of every episode that i was like all right what's he gonna do next i always wanted to know what kingpin was gonna do next i think he always had my interest through the whole show so i think he's the mvp i think 
Runners up for that position, though, are I wrote Claire and Wesley, and I forgot to write Ben. I think Claire, Wesley, and Ben are all great runner-ups. You could make arguments for any of the three of them to be the MVPs of the show because they all have really substantial side roles. And then I put literally the Law Trio next on my list. They're all so close that I had to put all of them up there. When I say the Law Trio, I mean Nelson Murdoch and Karen. Um I don't know. I I didn't feel like there were many weak characters in this show. No. Even like I went on in near the beginning about the like the myriad of villains that we had right at the very beginning, and they're all interesting too. Even though most of them are gone, they're all interesting too. So this was really hard, but also not because it had to be Kingpin. But a lot of people were really close to Kingpin for me. So Eduardo, what about you? You know, if you need a legal opinion, you can ask my MVP, Matt Murdock, who is Daredevil, played by Charlie Cox. You know, we when we watched all of the movies, like we don't watch the first story, watch Avengers and all these, we talked about Loki, right? We we're like, Loki is going to be our MVP every single time. And then every time we watched one of those movies, we found a character that the first time through we were dazzled by Loki. But then the second time through, you go, wait a second, this character is doing phenomenal job and i was just so focused on loki the first time that i didn't see it and that's how i feel with this the first time i watched it i was all kingpin and i thought it would for sure be kingpin and then i was like wait a second charlie cox is really good as matt murdoch like Mm -hmm. really good like he plays a great daredevil like he is very very good at his role and i was almost surprised because i don't remember thinking that very much uh, my first time around partially because kingpin is such a phenomenal role but i think i have to give it to charlie cox because he's doing such a great job as matt murdoch chris posing yeah you know i mean i i I agree with that um i i think fisk also i think i think matt murdoch and fisk definitely i mean it sounds dumb for me to say you can't have the show without either one of them but they really are the backbones of the show that being said my personal favorite character on the show was Ben and I'm still I will I will always be mad that he died same yeah I agree with that um you guys know how much I love Karen I was I kind of wanted to take Karen you guys know how much I love investigative journalism (laughs) don't look at me like that I'm the Um, only one that can see that (laughs) Uh, for exactly the same reasons Chris said, you guys know how much I love investigative journalism. I could go with Ben Yurick, but it just Vincent D'Onofrio was too powerful when he's on screen, and so it's Kingpin. Finally, get to do one of these ratings. Hey. Great, Daredevil season one, Peach. What are you giving Daredevil? I miss doing this. I, I'm giving Daredevil season one eight and a half boxes of nails out of ten. I am going to make everyone upset um, for a couple reasons. When I give Daredevil ten car door slams out of ten. That's too many. Uh, you don't want to revise after uh, Did you nah, go back and still, count? It's still a ten out of ten. <laughs> Slam that you gotta slam that door ten times to get the job done. Come on and slam and welcome to the jam. I can do it. I can do it nine times. <laughs> what about you, Eduardo? I'm giving 
Daredevil season one, eight hammers to the head out of 10. Chris, and, take uh, us home. Much like Father Lantern, I'm just going to give it eight Hail Marys. <laughs> so, out of 10. Same skills as the rest of you. I'm like, oh man, how many? Out of how, how many? How many? Chris, how many? This was a good, like, uh, it, it was good prep. But fear not, good listener who is listening to this very podcast right now, there is so much more Marvel on the way. Starting mid-January, we are going to be talking all about WandaVision. But before that, we are going to have a very special episode based off of the uh, the critically acclaimed comic book Daredevil. We are going to be talking about it in uh, the comic that took inspiration from Daredevil, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, as we watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. The very first one that ever came out. We're going to be doing an episode on the movie, and that's going to be our next episode as we lead into WandaVision. So keep your ear holes open, because we're coming at them. We're coming at them. We're we're coming right for your ear holes, people, with Turtles Talk. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to do it for this episode. Have more suggestions for things you want to do uh, in between seasons of uh, uh, Disney Plus shows? Send us an email, assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. Too lazy to write that whole thing? Find us on Twitter, at assemblycast. You can find all of us individually, D underscore peaches for peaches. PhilKid3 for Robbie, GatorSax2010 for Chris, because he went to... Florida, and he also played the saxophone. Yeah, and ABC Eduardo won because I'm lazy and have had the same username since I was 15. That's going to do it for myself, for Peaches, for Chris, for Robbie. We love you 3,000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Hail Hydra. Boobly boobly. You heard Vanessa! Thank you.